Hello, everybody. Welcome to the SCTV Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Delaney, and I'm here with Brendan Sokler. Brendan, how you doing? I'm doing good, Michael. How you doing? Doing all right. We got our radio voices on today. Very much so. Very much Sultry so. radio voices. <laughs> Ooh, well, let's stay sultry because the, the guests are ladies today. Oh, ladies. All right, we have to stop we, this now. The ladies, the ladies are, are, are Lennon Parham and Jessica St. Clair, a great duo, a very successful duo, uh, who I happen to work with in the past totally separately. I, I, I worked with them at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, I'm, a, I'm much older than they are, so I was their teacher, but I taught them at completely separate times. And they studied at UCB at separate times, but they found each other and came together. And now they're a real duo, a bona fide working duo. And that's our theme for today, duos. Yeah, we talk about duos. And I would say this is more about comedy writ large than necessarily just SCTV. This is not what we'd call one of our deep dive episodes. No, I could see doing an episode in the future where we really talk about SCTV duos like Bob and Doug McKenzie, Tex and Edna Boyle, Libby Wolfson and Sue Bopper Simpson. There's too many great SCTV duos to talk about. But this isn't that kind of podcast. We're not like a deconstructive podcast where we break down the show. You know, we talk about SCTV. We don't talk about it a whole lot in this particular episode. But, you know, we talk about SCTV, but I think we talk more about comedy at large and sketch comedy at large and talk to people that were influenced by the show um, about comedy and sometimes about SCTV. Last episode with Miriam Tolan, we really deconstructed some sketches and spent a lot of time doing the deep dive. But this week's a little different because I really, I'm into duos. Same. But we don't, we don't talk about duos at large. We really get into what it's like to be a duo with a live, breathing, working duo. And it's a really special episode. I'm excited for our listeners to hear it. So with that, shall we kick it? Let's do it. Take it away. Jessica, Lennon, you there? Hello. Hello. Hey, thanks for joining me. <laughs> oh my God, what a pleasure. Delaney, I think the last time I saw you, you were cutting my hair in the green room of the UCB <laughs> theater. My hair is still growing out that asymmetrical <laughs> bob. <laughs> that was you... one of the first times I smoked pot post-college. Really? Yep, and that's why I said, get out your shears and let's get a snip in. And I got a, I walked by that as it was happening. And I thought, who is this woman? I need to make a TV show with her. And then, <laughs> and then also become best judges. friends. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, that's a long time ago, those days. Um, <laughs> when we did m- most of our work in, the, in basements. Mm-hmm. In like right. gross, gross basements. And then when you got out of the basement and finally got on stage, it wasn't that much less gross. Nope. Maybe nope. more. 
Maybe <laughs> more. You could smell the dead rats under the stage, and it was gone, so stuck to everything. And there were bins to catch the drippings from the butcher shop above. Did you oh, know? Lord. Fun fact, and it's it's my six-year-old's favorite bedtime story. Is that mm. blood dripped onto my forehead during a show, <laughs> and I almost threw up in front of a full audience. Uh, I had to leave in the middle of a scene and take a minute. Uh, I also knocked myself out once on those low-hanging speakers, and I woke up to that girl Lisa Ackerman over my face saying, are you dead? <laughs> what speaker? And why? Who? No one hit their head on a speaker. Everybody hit their head on the pipe. No, they were, no, no, they were on the corners in the new theater. <laughs> I mean, the 26th Street Theater. There were those low speakers that they raised up later. I think they became after, TVs or something. I think it was after I hit myself. It was like the first day we had them and we were doing one of those shows where it was like, you know, the old people and the youngins, the lottery. And, and they were like, bring uh, into the stage, the funky monkeys. And then I just slammed into it. And I, I, uh, I woke up with Lisa Ackerman shaking me. Was it the second beat at least? No, it was the intro. Oh, no. oh. you know, that, that sounds uncharacteristic of UCB theater to address a, a like life-threatening problem right away. <laughs> Usually we wait until several lives have been threatened before we do anything about it. You yeah, know what was great so... is that nobody stopped the show. That was, if Lisa nope. hadn't come by, I would have been laying there for God, I could, could have still been laying there. They probably thought you were doing a bit. Like you always <laughs> really go for the gold, you know? Like heighten, heighten, heighten right away. <laughs> <laughs> She said she had actually recently been punched in the head on the subway. <laughs> okay. No matter how stupid or deadly what we were doing was, we just kept going anyway. We yeah. loved it so much. The yeah, only exception really I can remember, the only show that like got, got the hook was when I was sitting in on the WPA that... Um, 30 that, that, oh, yeah. that depression era improv show yeah uh, and the 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 dimmer started billowing smoke backstage <laughs> the dimmer bursts into flames <laughs> and billy real early i'm waiting to come on and and billy like 15 minutes into the show is like all right good night folks uh everyone's got a file to the exits little smoky oh in God. here <laughs> That's all. oh my god well what about when they kept calling Lennon to say, hey, you need to take those hail those hay bales out of the mm -hmm. green room. Yes? No. no, that was Waddell. That was Waddell. Uh <laughs> Brian Waddell, do you remember him? He's yeah. like a yes. manager. Sure. Uh, I did a midnight show called Sweet Tea and Sorrow, which was like a, a Mandrell Sisters parody. Um, and I had a hay bale and I kept it I kept it backstage or something. And he was like, you got to get that hay bale out of here. It, it, like he came up right after the show, like and interrupted me talking to someone and to tell me to move my hay bale. And I was like, there's 17 dildos on the couch right now. And you want me to move my hay bale, man? So I tucked it back in the hot chicks room in a secret corner. And every year I would go back and make sure it was still there. 
just as just a, like, to fuck, fuck him, you. just to fuck Waddell. You can't. Waddell. And, and by the way, if the theater was going to burn to the ground, the hay bale would have been the first thing to go up in flames. No, it was soaking wet. It was soaking wet. I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> but in uh, storing hay bales for no reason though is something that we would have done. Absolutely. Well, you never know. It. I mean, I went to the Garden District on 38th Street and rolled that hay bale on a dolly before a midnight show. I was like, I'm not moving that hay bale. You know what I mean? I rolled it like three avenues and whatever, 12 blocks. Oh, man. You gotta be kidding me. Hey, did you guys do stage shows together at UCB? I, it seems like you just magically became mm -hmm. a team. Never. It seems like you, you it seems like you trained totally separate eras. And then it's yeah. Like, not it's the like in the Olympics. It's oh, like no. when they put the dream team together and they've never <laughs> performed together, but they have to very quickly uh. learn each other's moves. Yeah, but they've always competed in each other's shadows secretly. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Ooh. No, but then oh, we've what? done shows at the at the LA theater. We did we had like a good run of cage matches with Mansukas and Zach Woods as a foursome. That was uh, way after we started working. Uh, we were oh, already yeah, working. yeah, yeah. We had yeah. shows. We had shows. Yeah. There's always thought, the improv yeah. shows to, to keep up our chops. Whatever whatever level you're doing, you can still always get on the grungy little stage and, and, and do that thing. Yeah. But you know what? It's like when you haven't done it in a while and you're like, I'm just going to hop back up. Like it's a sport like any other and you can be flabby and slow. And I, I haven't performed in so long now on stage. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm That's not true. worried about I, it. I think if you take an extended break and spend uh -huh. all your energy on a different discipline, when you come back, you know, you're just not as limber. Like a guitarist, they gotta, they gotta, it takes them a little while to limber up. Right. right. If, if they set well, it like down for a while. Daniel Day-Lewis going and being a cobbler. It's very similar. I thought he went on to cobble professionally just as <laughs> a way, just as a way to keep him. Yeah, just as a way to keep himself occupied because he got tired of acting i think they, i think people who act on his level it takes a lot out of you did he not Lady. then do a movie about a cobbler like wasn't about he a learning seam, about a, a a seamster yeah is that a that. male seamstress i think it might be, but i think he was cobbling just to cobble just to cobble just to get that back voice, to that, his I'm, roots. So, I'm sorry that voice from the heavens was <laughs> brendan sokler producer hey everybody um, just, just really quick for the listening audience, uh, Delaney, could we get the lovely bios of Lennon and Jessica? I know we, we got chatting so much I, I, that I, I, I'm remiss on, on saying their bio. So let me set up the guests properly deep, deep into the show. Well, first, let me say <laughs> the, the, the intro music today was, of course, Take Off, the number one hit from Bob and Doug McKenzie with Getty Lee from Rush on vocals. Mm -hmm. uh, and our guests today, Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham. You know Lennon Parham from Bless This Mess, <laughs> Veep, and of course, Womp It Up. Uh, uh, well, that's Jessica and Lennon's uh, uh, podcast that they have together. But I'll get to that in a moment. Lennon is also a director of stage and screen. 
Jessica, also director of stage and screen, who you might remember from Bridesmaids, Space Force, and yet another space show, Avenue 5. Uh, and uh, Jessica, of course, was in the legendary group Mother. So if you, were <coughs> if you were way into improv in New York City in the 90s, there's no way you didn't know Mother. And if you stuck around for a couple of years, you would have seen the group Dillinger, which was Lenin's legendary improv group too. If you look at the lineups of Mother and Dillinger, your head will explode. No, <laughs> but you'll be impressed. And the so, Lainey, them... did you did you coach both me? About I know you coached Mother a bunch before. I'm sure we broke your will to live. And then did you <laughs> did you also coach Dillinger? I don't think I had the luck to coach Dillinger. I remember sitting in with Mother a few times. Like you guys would, you know, if you needed sit-ins that week, you would borrow guys from the swarm and we would borrow you and, and your people. Yes. Let me get through this bio. It's so Sorry. long. I, tr I tried to limit it to three, but it feels like it's going really long. You will remember both of these guys together, by guys, I mean Jess and Lennon, uh, from their shows, uh, BFF, Best Friends Forever, and Playing House, of course. Uh, not to mention the show Review. I am mentioning the show Review because I think it's one of the funniest shows ever made. And uh, Jessica actually played Andy Daly's wife and is put through so much in that, uh, through that so series. Uh, Jessica, uh, uh, Lennon, we saw you on there too. And you two, of course, have your own podcast, Womp it up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about womping it up, and what it means to be a wompster? <laughs> <laughs> well, womp it up uh, was born from a character I did. I don't do any characters, as you know, Delaney. I have no range. Well, you've perfected I, the Jessica character so well. It's just because I don't have, as I said, much skill in playing anything else. Much like, by the way, Delaney, you always are you, but you have a vast knowledge of specific things like how to pick an orange. Do you know what I mean? You, I always feel like there's a Delaney element to the personality, but always like the very specific knowledge of whatever the person you're playing. Would you agree with that? I, I like that. I like hearing that. I would not have said that about myself, but I'm glad you said it. And all that stuff about the proper way to pick an orange, I'm totally lying on all that stuff. I'm just making it up. We, from, I, we totally believe it. Oh, well, thank you. That's a very high compliment. Um, but yes, I had this character on uh, Comedy Bang Bang um, that was his uh, Scott uh, Ackerman's intern Marissa Wappler she was 15 and her and her dad who was played by Brian Husky um dro was driving her in uh from Marina Del Rey and I mean I literally I, when Scott asked me to come on I said I really I don't want to ruin your show I don't have characters so anyway I came on as this one character and um I kept coming back as her only because I didn't have any other option and then I thought it would be funny because I'm this 15 year old that's in like, who's kind of in like an alternative learning situation because she's just such a mess. And so I, I thought it would be funny if Lennon came on or maybe Lennon, did I ask you like, what do you want to come on as? And you said, what about if I'm her teacher? I don't remember whose idea the teacher was, but you were like, like, why don't you come on and play my gifted teacher? I think you said. Right. 
And right. I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And so I came on and it immediately like went insane. And Jessica was like <laughs> making like deep eye contact with me, like angry. She was so angry with me that I had like. Lennon, within like five seconds, she was like, I'm a former sniper from the Gulf War <laughs> and I can like travel through time and space. And I had, I didn't say I that had part. created this like very specific real character with sure. layers. Sure, and she just sure. fucking went nuts. And I was so angry. And I think I said afterwards, I'm going to kill you off. She you will said, never come back. She with basically me. said that will never happen again to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. It was great. But it was also, it took a lot of focus from old St. Clair. Anyway, uh, the, everyone loved it. People I have never get enough been of angry it. at her. In, my, in our entire friendship, I've That's never been more angry. But she, That's great. they wanted more and more and more of it. So we came, we came back a couple more times and then we ended up spinning off the two characters into a show where we, for the STARS program, which is the alternative learning program that she's in that only has two other students and is conducted in the basement of Marina Del Rey High School. Um, we interview like, you know, other people from the Marina Del Rey community, basically, who are all of our improviser friends. And Delaney, I was just thinking, if we figure out how to do it virtually, we'll have you on. It was all, it was anybody who was in LA would come on and it was all of our, our dearest friends, yeah. except for you, because you were in New York. Oh, well, I would love that. Thank you. Well, I've, of course, I've fantasized of what, what, what it would be like to come on and who I'd want to play. But I think Bobby Moynihan beat me to the art teacher. Oh yeah, that would have been my first choice. You could oh, be the man. new art teacher, huh? You could certainly be the new art teacher. Oh, that's good. Who's who's trying to usurp, mm -hmm. uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Moynihan? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, whatever whatever archetype hasn't been played, I'll be happy. I'll hop in on that. But hey, you know, if this is an ordinary podcast we could just keep doing this all afternoon and I, I, I would really like to but <laughs> I've decided to do a podcast about a show that was canceled 35 years ago <laughs> and nobody watches that so, sounds right so we should get to that a little bit um, my theme today is guess what duos because I've got a bona fide duo on I, I love duos I, I, I would rather watch a duo 10 times over one stand-up. I don't know why I like stand-ups. I, I like I like funny stand-ups, um, which is kind of dumb uh, to say, but uh, there's something about duos which are more special, I guess because two really is a group. Um, so I have a couple, you guys have started answering the few, some of the few questions that I have already. <laughs> You've so covered the, you guys are so honest and like unfiltered that you covered a lot of it. One was about lady, competition. Yes, yes. Can I say one thing, which is that I, I agree with you. Like I am obsessed with duos and I, I think you and Dave, and was it Delaney and Dave? Is that what they, you guys were called? That was my old duo where we mm -hmm. did just sketch. Not, for once it was not improv. Yeah, Delaney and Dave. A sketch show, yes. And I remember, I mean, I could literally call up scenes from that show. 
um, you guys in space. I mean, I just like that kind of blew my mind and was like, oh, I want to find that was before I had a partner. I was like, I got to find a partner. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was when Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch did Dratch and Fey. I saw that so many times that I could recite it. And to this day, I could like there is something magical about that because you have to be, I think a duo has to be close, close friends. Do you know what I mean? And so there's something magical about the chemistry that you get to see between them. I was gonna ask if Delaney, were you and Billy Merritt a duo? Billy and I were a duo. <clears throat> yeah. But only improvisationally. We had a show, we did a two man thing called Omelet Vision. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. And then Standing Omelet room Vision. only for that show. Uh, well, that, that then transformed. It became an excuse to do swarm shows when we only had three, which doesn't really constitute a swarm of people. <laughs> and I, I couldn't in any good conscience go on the stage and, and as the swarm with only two or three people. Um, well, gee, uh, Jessica, uh, uh, first, thank you very much what you said about Delaney and Dave. I'm glad you, that you dug it and were a little bit inspired by it. I was certainly inspired by you and Jason Manzoukas' two-person show. I was lucky enough to be able oh. to work with you guys a little bit. On oh, those shows. Lennon, were you around then? Did you see those? I saw them. I think I saw them like getting ready to go to Aspen or something, like on a trial run. I didn't actually see... I don't think it well, during its actual run. At no, As, the Aspen performance might not be the best one because Jason, who's deathly allergic to eggs, somehow got some egg. He somehow- That was a really tough one. What's weird is that's another bedtime story, no joke, for my six-year-old that she loves. <laughs> is I don't know why she loves it, but she's like, yeah, he basically, right before we went on, and we thought this was like our make or break show of our life. Yeah. Um, Later, we would realize that there was hardly anybody in the audience because Kelsey Grammer was opposite us and had, had oh. pulled the crowds. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, he said, I'm not feeling good. And I, I, I think I ate something with an egg on it. And I said, you definitely didn't. We just had a hamburger. He goes, I, I, what I'm saying is this. If at some point I exit the stage in the middle of a scene, know that I am going into anaphylactic shock and that you need to call 911. And then, then oh, it was God. like, it's showtime. And he goes, do I look okay? But at that point, just the top part of his head had oh, swollen. No. So he almost looked like um, Herman Munster. Like, and I had to be like- well, That oh, is like Worf. Like yeah, Worf. I was like- Yes, I said Wolf and I meant Klingon. I meant Klingon. <laughs> it was horrible. But yeah, apparently it was a low grade uh, allergic reaction. reaction. He powered through. He powered through. I developed some minor heart problems a while back, and they're actually not, not a big deal. But you don't know that at the time until you get tested, and they tell you it's no, what you're feeling is no big deal. And when it first happened to me, I was on stage in a scene with Billy Merritt, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> and so with all the confidence in the world, I go, you hold that thought one minute. And I walked backstage to collect myself and everybody thought I had a real doozy on deck. Oh I no! I, had nothing. I was trying not to die was all I had. Oh, oh shit. At least Lisa Ackerman was backstage with two paddles. She oh started shaking me. She did shaking carry me around a defibrillator. Yes, but before that she was giving me hard backhanded slaps and just shaking <laughs> me by the lapels. 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh shit. Yes. Oh, every, every, we're never gonna get to, we still haven't got to SCTV. We're 30 minutes deep and we haven't talked but about I did just want to say one thing that remember when Jason and I thought it was a good idea to start our sketch show with a 10 minute silent scene? <laughs> and it was the worst decision we ever made. And you were, you sat in the, I was like, Delanes, we'd love to get your, get your thoughts. And there was an audience. I believe there was an audience. And you just were like, oh, no. And then you said, I think it's a mistake. I think it's a cut that scene. <laughs> it really puts your audience on edge and not in a good way. <laughs> I remember my big contribution to this one show was that, you're playing this scene where you, both you and Jason are supposed to be like wrecks. He's a wreck. Yeah. And you're supposed to be a wreck. And you didn't come across as a wreck. You came across like you had your shit together. So I suggested that you wear a neck brace. And man, <laughs> it was, was like magic. Yes. It was magic. The transformation. Mm -hmm. It was. It was magical. And you know that we had to go get that neck brace at a man who was selling quote unquote medical supplies out of his apartment, which were really <laughs> hypodermic needles. And I was like, if I fucking die picking up this neck brace because comedy Delaney props. told me I'm it was a good you, idea. Comedy props are important. You gotta protect I didn't know that props. was you, Delaney. That is genius. <laughs> Friendship is rare, do you know what I'm saying to you? Friendship is rare. One of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is about competing, and you brought that up already. You guys are fiercely competitive. Well, that wasn't. <laughs> That's not, I think, I think initially all women, all the women, I mean, I won't speak for all women, but when we first got to the theater, there were so few of us. I think that it, there was a like, well, what's she doing? How'd she get on a team? Ugh. What Like there was that element of it, but like very quickly we were like, oh no, like we're better together. There were four girls on my first improv team or three girls and then four. And it was like the best, which it was more girls than there had ever been on any improv team at UCB. So, I, I mean, we did, I think it was initially competitive. There's also like a, I remember there being like a weird, like, is she pretty for improv or pretty, pretty? You know what I mean? Oh. Like there was that kind of bullshit. <laughs> oh. uh, that's gross. So, uh, yep. but women in comedy right now, oh. like are, we're not, I'm not, I don't feel, I mean, I might compare myself to another comedian, but I would never, uh, tear her down for me to go up and I don't I mean I not I can't see other women doing that either or have not had that experience well you know I, I was thinking about that question itself about competing and it occurred to me that competing can also happen on the flip side on the positive side of trying to out virtue one another mm. where you're not trying to bring the other person down you can sometimes the, the competition ends up being like who can elevate the other person just a little more like no you take that line you take it you do the right. intro, you do that, you do that. Mm. Or you picking up the lion's share, boring stuff that nobody wants to do. Well, I think that's one of the reasons Jess and I wrote a show because the parts that were being written for women prior to that were sort of like, you're one of three, 
three things. You're like the hot slutty bitch. <laughs> you're like the or every, just the like, bitch, <laughs> or just the girl mm-hmm, next door, mm-hmm. or or you're like the weird sister or best friend. And we were like, but that's not. I mean, one woman is usually all those three things at once. Like right. So, <laughs> like, it was just not complicated enough or something, you know? When I think back to, like, how, how you know, talk about there were few women at the UCB, but, like, when you would get on a sitcom, or the what first sitcom I got on, they, this was back in, God, was it 2002 or something or three? But if a sitcom wasn't working, they would just fire the woman and, and then, like, see if that helped. You know, wow. So it really, if I mean, thank God for the UCB that had always told us, like, you know, you got to do your own show, you got to, you know, show people what your unique vision is. Not even for your career, I felt like it was just kind of necessary. Like, only you can be your unique version of funny. You know, which I feel like you always taught in in our classes, Delaney. Which I so lamely wrote down everything you said in a journal. Mm-hmm. Do you still have it, journal? I wish I could find it because I, I still remember somewhere. him saying something about how a scene is like a circle, like a gold wedding band. Like, oh, and I Jesus would like, Christ. I would like reread my notes before. <laughs> That's I the hokiest I mean, that thing. That's the hokiest thing I've ever heard. Well, Delaney, you, I don't know if you remember this, but like I took level one and then I took level two with you and level one was pretty rough. Level two, I loved. I was obsessed with you. You were my teacher. But then I took a break because I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for this style. Mm. And Molly Prather was on a team and she was speaking to you and you told her to tell me that I needed to come back and take more classes because we needed more good women at the theater. And so because of that like game of telephone, I signed up for a level three and then got on a Herald team and found my people and my tribe and my everything. You're like, you're like a pimp Delaney. You did the same thing to me. You were like, Hey, listen, I think you should come and intern at the theater. I want you to see more improv. And so next thing you know, I was cleaning up toilets. And that's you know? when you saw all those wow. shows, those two person yeah, shows. Yeah, and he was right. You're like, you're like, you got to be in here like four nights a week, just like watching stuff and getting good. And and I did an even weirder thing, which is the moment I had Delaney, I said, I don't want to take classes from anyone else. So mm. I took my one, two, and three from Delaney. I was never taught by anyone else. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. I just, I loved working with you guys. I had this one class that was just, you know, sometimes they're just not getting it for whatever reason. But Jessica got it. Jessica got it in her bones. And so every time I would make a speech, everyone was like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? And then Jessica would get up and do it and show them that it could be done. So and lady, that was really no, that, nice. That class was a bunch of weirdos. And, but, and they never, and it was only me and them. Um, me and Gemberling and Gelman that continued on from that class. Oh my God. Well, you guys are all three murderers. Yeah. And Lennon, uh, Lennon, I did the most impolitic thing after your audition. 
you had this audition for Harold Knight, mm-hmm. and I don't know, you were just commanding the stage so wonderfully, and you were playing this Gladriel-type character, and you, I think you were standing on a chair, like, blessing all the children beneath her or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was exactly. I just remember the staging of it. And after auditions were over, I'm talking to my friend, and I'm like, did you see Lenny? Wasn't she amazing? And then I realized, oh, fuck, this girl auditioned also. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And did not get on a team. She eventually got on later, but not at the time. And I was like, oops. Oh, <laughs> lady. Oops. Oh, well. That's, no, she I'm going to have take... to go Google Galadriel. <laughs> oh, that's like the Lord of the Rings magical lady played oh, by... Um, Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett, yes. That's my... That's, um, that's Lennon's spirit My style animal. icon. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. Is that a, is that a, a, a predetermined thing? No, it's like, like I would love, like if I could have her style, like whenever she's on the red carpet... It's always yeah. like a class act who's kind of taken some risks. Every, mm-hmm. Everything about her, gorgeous. She is a class Classy. act. I, I wish she was our first lady. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Yep. I got Mrs. political. America. Time for a clip. Political. Time. So many Republicans <laughs> listening to this, I'm sure. Listen, I got a couple of clips. We got to get to one of them, or we'll okay, never get sure. to any of them. Okay, let's what talk about What do I have? Where's my clip list? Uh. I know. The one I wanted to play first was, oh, <laughs> did you guys ever see that sh- short film Catherine O'Hara and Andrew Martin did about PMS? Oh, that duo. Yes, I saw it. They, they play, they are, they were kind of a duo. They were what I would call a default duo, not a formal duo. Because Catherine and Andrea were the only two women on SCTV for a number of years. And it really kind of, in a way, cornered them into working together. And they were magical. So let's play a clip. This is when they were guests mm-hmm. on the David Letterman Holiday Film Festival <laughs> in the mid-80s. And they were brought on as a pair. And they created this short film called PMS. And uh, let, let's play a minute of that. Uh, Brendan, can you take it away? I'm Mary Market. And I'm Hannah Champion. I'm sorry. And I'm Hannah Champion. And welcome to PMS, the film. Let us first say we acknowledge the fact that menstruation is a taboo subject, and we have no intention at all of discussing it at present. It is a precious and mysterious and beautiful and terrifying and painfully inconvenient and very, very special but private part of a woman's life. What we do want to discuss is pre-menstrual syndrome, which occurs a week to 10 days before and only up until the onset a woman gets her period. Hmm? Her friend. Curse. Not all women suffer from PMS. I can't believe I said that. We'll edit it out. But we who do, I mean those who do, often suffer debilitating physical symptoms. We are concerned mainly. We better keep it in. The mental symptoms. Um, a psychological disruption that affects, I'm sorry, not only the victims of PMS, but uh, anyone who comes within a mile of us. So everybody out of my way. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, this is Catherine and Andrea doing what they do, which is become unhinged on camera. Mm. 
What's awesome is I was, when I was watching them, I was like, which one would be Lennon and which one would be me? And Ooh. it's almost like it's two Lennons. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Because they try Lennon, to kill each other by the end? Yeah, like Lennon is more, Lennon becomes unhinged in a more of a way as these girls do than I would. I just, I don't know. It's like two Lennons. you would be variety. Andrea and I would be Catherine yeah. O'Hara, I think. I, I have so to too. just say the wig work, it makes me uh, cry because it's so beautiful. The wigs, you know how much wig, how important wig, good wigs are. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. A good wig is hard to find. Every character that we watched them do was completely transformative. They were just like completely different people every time. It was so beautiful. You can also tell how much they enjoy each other. Like, yeah. how, like that's what I love. That's what I was talking about with duos. Like, I love watching like how they, and I'm surprised that they were an informal duo because you would have thought that they chose each other because they, they seem to like riff in the same way you and I do, Lennon, sometimes mm -hmm, talk mm -hmm. over each other. You know, it's, it's, it's there, kind of joy to watch. Are there any duos that you guys view as touchstones for your own comedy stylings as a duo? Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's, I mean, the first duo, I, I mean, obviously Laverne and Shirley was like a major comedic influence for, I think, both me and Jess. Like, I was yeah. obsessed with them because it was like, they got to be goofy and physical in a way that we weren't like allowing women to be improper. Like, and when we wrote Playing House, I think we were thinking about that, considering that mm -hmm. and like trying to just set set the characters up in a world where they could just be funny. Um, and have like, we do love a scrape. We love it when two women get into a scrape. Some hijinks, or a some classic hijinks. Kate Nally. Yes, yes. We love Kate Nally. Mm -hmm. mm. And Lucy and Ethel, of course. Of course. And then the Sweeney sisters on SNL. Yes. Jan Hooks and Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. Character work. Uh, <laughs> We're so tired. Nora, is Nora done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was obsessed. I mean, I was obsessed with Jan Hooks, but like her character work, you know, her duo work there as well was just outrageous i agree and it wasn't just the sweeney sisters they they were so great together well i've been thinking a lot about duos because it took like a month to get this thing going i had plenty of time to think about it and i was asking my mom if she could remember any um uh, female duos from like the way back and all anyone could come up with was uh characters from sitcoms who were rather brought together Mm. rather than having come up together you know I mean Laverne yeah. and Shirley had amazing chemistry but they were strange bedfellows when they started mm -hmm. and I, oh, I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't think now there's so many um female duos around uh that it's, it's lovely but in the past I think French and Saunders was the first one that I could think of that was two women oh yes absolutely I and I remember when Lennon and I were pitching the first show we did Best Friends Forever like there weren't many duos on television. I, there had been like a desert no. of time mm -hmm. where there were none. And then like Amy Poehler and um, Tina Fey, Tina Fey, and then and then her and um, you know on Parks and Rec, um, that best friendship, Rashida's friendship. 
But then, yeah. and then suddenly it, it had a renaissance, which is so great. Mm -hmm. But I oh, think yeah. that is like when you, when the, when the culture allows there to be female duos is like when you can sense like, oh, women are starting to be able to feel like powerful or, or people are allowing women to be funny, you know, or to show how funny they are. And be the main, the main attraction. And also like a lot of our, the people that, that watched our show, I think for a lot of them, it was like one of the first times they'd seen the best friendship take the role that like a couple would normally take, like mm -hmm. a, a husband and mm -hmm. wife or like, like everybody loves Raymond was about that, that coupling. So like on our show, it was like, we had other relationships, but the main focus of the show was our relationship as best friends. And we always found in the writer's room that like any time that our characters, like when we first started the first season, we would, they, we would pitch things or the writer's room would pitch things where like we were at odds. Like we talk about being competitive where like our characters maybe were like fucking each other over. And that mm -hmm. always felt terrible and didn't work. And so we decided early on that like, just like any real best friendship, we always have each other's best interest in mind. So like, even though there is an uh. episode where we both are craving Andy Daly um, <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as our sexual dish, it's because we don't know that, the, I don't know that Lennon's character has a crush on him. I, if I had, I would never do that. You know what I mean? So I think there is something like that where you realize watching women fight each other doesn't feel um, uh, authentic to what actual female friendship is like. What's you guys' big roles off stage? Who who's who's the Oscar and who's the Felix, as it were? Oh, I'm Oscar, hundred percent. Lennon keeps our ship a sailing. She keeps it ship shape. Yeah, don't you I'm, think Lennon? Well, I'm the spread. I'm on the spreadsheet tip. <laughs> is that what you mean? Uh, uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that would be nice, but that will cost us 125,000 extra dollars to shoot. So maybe we don't get on paddle boats, even though we did. We did get on paddle boats. <laughs> yeah, and shoot it in the middle of the like heat of the summer on Malibu Lake, and both almost had heat stroke. But yeah, yeah. Lennon, Lennon like knows how to use a drill. We always talk about, and I think this is very gender normative but like who's the man in this romantic relationship between the two of us but we really do take turns um I feel like in that don't you feel like Lennon well I thought we always said that you were the man but I was the husband that's right <laughs> whatever that means to you I'll I'll put up the curtains but she does all the talking <laughs> that's right like I'll I'd be like hey you gotta sharpen your pencils fellas and come back to me with a different figure but Lennon knows how to work like a like a a drill like a you know <laughs> so Lennon you do the typing yes oh god yes I can't even I don't I've never she doesn't even know I've... what a smart key is it's the it's the nightmare of the century wait I, I don't know what a smart anxious. key is okay see See, you can't is, have, you gotta have a Lennon. You gotta have a Lennon in the mix. I needed a Lennon. That was the problem with Delaney and Dave is we had two pacers and no typers. You gotta have a typer. And someone, they, typer. They, they usually say somebody paces and somebody types. I actually sit on Lennon. She I sits like on top. In pre-COVID times, she would sit almost on top of me. Like in I mama's type. lap? Kind of, yeah. 
sometimes like when we were pitching, like I would absentmindedly stroke Lennon's hair as like a comfort device, you know? Uh, and she would be like, don't touch stop. my hair in a meeting. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> um, wait, this is a meeting? I thought this was a, during a private writing session. No, no I'm talking pitch, about we'd be a, pitching to executives. In front of a network. And I would, no. and I would start stroking her hair because it's no. so soft. And I would slap it away. I would slap her hand away. Uh, <laughs> um, let's play another clip. Okay. This one's from... Uh, um, uh, best in show. Okay. Let, let's go ahead and roll on that one. Well, the first time we met uh, was at this uh, big uh, uh, dance. And, uh, and I just thought she was the, the prettiest thing that I'd ever seen. And, and she was there with somebody else. She was very popular back then. She had dozens of boyfriends. Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. I did not know that. <laughs> Hundreds. Well, not that, not that, not that I didn't have a reputation myself, uh, because you know I was uh, considered, uh, you know, by some uh, to to be quite the Casanova myself back at uh, Ponce de Leon Junior High. But we started dancing. He didn't want to dance. I, I was like dancing by myself. I did not want to dance because Say, get uh, up, get up, Jerry. I no, kept saying, no. You know, I can't dance. I can't. I've got two left feet. I got two left feet. <laughs> I, I thought he was kidding, but I wasn't. Um, I I was born uh, with two uh, left feet. Okay, good, good, good. Let's stop it there. <laughs> now, at the, at the, that's the point. That's the point where they pan down and you see him wearing two left shoes. <laughs> It's the oh best. My God. Oh my God. Oh man. Um, yeah, there's a couple of visuals in there that don't play on uh, on podcast. But mm. uh, what chemistry between those two? Seriously. And you know, I feel like I I don't know if this was ever a note of yours, Delaney, in in improv class. But like, I do believe with duos, even when they're hating each other or in a fight, there has to be love between them. And this this couple is a good example of that because she does she like cheats on him in front of of him you know but he never stops loving her and she never stops loving him you know what i mean it, you don't want to see a duo turn on each other in a in a mm. kind of like ultimate way mm. interesting yeah you know i when i was thinking about it when i was digging for old-timey female duos and not coming up with any, it occurred to me that that was the era where male duos were, were uh, kind of legendary for, have, for hating each other. Offstage, mm. uh, Jerry, mm. Lewis oh, yeah. and Dean, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin uh, famously feuded offstage. So did Abbott and Costello. Laurel and Hardy loved each other, and that love <laughs> translated on screen, too. Mm -hmm. Jessica, since we played a Christopher Guest movie, weren't you in one of those Chris Guest improv uh, movies? My first actual job that I ever did was in uh, his last movie, For Your Consideration, which like I, not, not as many people, you know, have seen even weirdly, but yeah. And I cannot tell you it was the best day of my life. I uh, mean, giving birth to my daughter and getting married, of course, but then third, <laughs> was was doing that because he was so lovely to me and 
I at one point sat down to lunch and then Catherine O'Hara sat next to me on the other side, Eugene Levy, across from me, Christopher Guest, and I was having a nervous breakdown. And I, and, and even, and he said, like, where did you come from? And I said, oh, the UCB theater, and we have this blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, maybe I'll get an internship. Do you think they'd take me or something? And I was just like, I don't know if this is a joke. Like, but anyway, and then I did my little bit, which really wasn't improvised at all. And then at the end of it, he from across the studio gave me a thumbs up. And I thought, oh my God, I could die happy. But like, he was very generous. I really believe like, if you are not a generous comedian, then you are not funny. Truly funny. You know, know you have to really delight in other people's being funny is to, to me. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that, that, that duos are so enjoyable to watch is like, like, so, I mean, when we were creating comedy in the basement of the UCB theater for no money dropping blood on our heads, like the only people's opinion that I cared about were the people on my team, the people, some of the people in the audience, you know what I mean? Depending on what night of the week it was like, I just really wanted to make them laugh. I wanted to, I wanted it to be grounded and real and funny. And like, I wanted it to make you feel something, but like when you, when you have another physical presence on screen or on podcast or whatever, like you have an audience, you know what I mean? Like, and if you can almost break that person or say something surprising or say something so real that they catch their breath, like, you can feel that it feels electric. Mm-hmm. It feels like in the moment. It, and if, if you have somebody that like with Jess and I, you know, we, I mean, we script it, but then it was improvised to get to script. And then we're on the day we're also improvising. So like, right. if I can make Jess break or laugh, like uh, it's a great day, you know, even now when we're on set, like, like if I see the shoulders of the cameraman, like going like this, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, yes. Like, that's what I want to get. I want to get the cameraman laughing because they've seen this already 17 times. They've been Ooh. doing this for 17 years. If I can make them laugh, I know it's going to make other people laugh too. You know? I also think like when we did, when, you know, both of our shows, you know, were, were eventually canceled one after four episodes and the next one we, we, we got three seasons. But <laughs> when that has happened, it's so devastating because we love doing it so much, but there has never been a feeling of, oh, oh, I can't do this again. Cause I'm like, oh no, we, and I, and by we, I mean the people we've met at the UCB, our little group, we will always be together because we love each other. Both, both we love each other's comedy first and then as people, we love each other. So it's like, you can't take that away from me because I can always find a dirty basement full of dead rats to go to, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, what's interesting with Lennon and I, because we are actual best friends, 
when we go to, when we would go to the writer's room, like we not only have like things I want to see Lennon do, like I, I desperately wanted Lennon to have a dream sequence where the property brothers like both make love to her. Like, I just knew that we wanted to have that. But like, also we have like, and believe me, when you see Lennon dressed like a Stevie Nicks character and like go through smoke and they were both using like a yardstick, like slapping it against their hands. Um, that, those things were my guiding light, but also we have real things from our friendship that were funny, that were happening. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, remember that time, like, we had that fight in front of a Baja Fresh and like we were crying and people kept looking at, like we just have like so many weird things when we're together that happened to us that it was also uh, helpful to be able to do that and then write about it. But of course, heighten it, you know? So, hey, you guys, I had, uh, this is the last question. I'm not really much of an interviewer, but you know what I've noticed? Sometimes there's these little nagging things that you want to apologize to somebody about but you don't because it's not a good opportunity. It, if you had an organic opportunity to do it, you would. Mm -hmm. But that usually doesn't come up and it's usually too small to drudge back up out of the blue for no reason. But yet it somehow bothers you. Now, the fact that you guys are so open with each other and so self-aware <laughs> as, as, a, as a unit. I don't know if you're that self-aware as individuals, but as a unit, you definitely are. Is there any little... This is the point no. where I played that classic old song, I'm Sorry. No, Delaney, um, if there is anything that we never let anything go between us, anything. We are the healthiest couple, non-romantic couple you have ever seen. So like if one of us hurts the other's feelings, they are aware of it the moment it is happening. And then if it's me who hurts Lennon's feelings, I not only apologize immediately, I do it over and over and <laughs> over again. I thought so. I thought you guys were too mature, maybe, for that question. Well, I think yeah. the thing is that it is a part, I mean, it's a partnership, right? And it wasn't, I don't think we were always as good at, at it. Like we got, we've been together now since 2009 or something. Mm -hmm. So that's a long time. And we started working together first and then became best friends while writing about best friendship. So I think we, like we kind of, we were work wives and then we were best friends. So like we got better at all of that. You know what I mean? Well, we didn't really have time. So like if we got in a fight, it would be like in front of our writer's room. And then like, what are you gonna do? You can't be, you can't be funny with someone that you're fighting with. So we would have to step out and have the fight and then come back on stage or in the writer's room, mm -hmm. you know, and we had to resolve it quickly. And I feel like in doing so, we got developed better skills. Like Lennon is a thinker. You know, I'm fight and Lennon's more flight. She has to think for a, a couple days sometimes about something and I just start talking mm. before I even know how I feel. <laughs> oh yeah, and I remember I the, the, first time she, the first time she did that and she was like, I'm mad, but I'm gonna take three days. I was like, well, bitch, you don't have, I know. You know, you can't have that time. And I was like, like that, well, you don't live in my house, so I'll see you at a restaurant in three days. Yeah, and you know what? You told me in a day and a half. 
because we came to some sort of agreement on that. You remember the exact amount of time that it took me? I, I bet don't it was you. that. I don't believe <laughs> you. Let you take, if I let you take your time, I'd be dead by then. Pour that cabbage down, boy, turn that old kick round. The only song I ever did sing is Pour that cabbage down. Take it, Tom. No. I said no, I didn't no, want to take it. No, sometimes you're not, you're not supposed you, to say no. Well, sometimes a fellow doesn't feel like taking it. He just stands right up and says no. I didn't want to... I didn't Tommy. know it upset you this much. Well, I just don't well, want to take it. look what it did to the song. No. Too bad you caught me on an off night like that. I would love to see you two do a good, a good old-fashioned, chunky stage sketch show with connections Ooh. and callbacks Ooh, and all that man. stuff. Wouldn't that that be does juicy? sound delicious. It's a no, good thanks. way to write a movie. You know, <laughs> movies are just Harold's after all. It's true. <sighs> movies are so long and so boring. So were right. sketch shows. So were sixty-minute sketch shows. Remember when the sketch shows used to be a fucking hour long? <gasps> yes, but you know what? At least you got to perform it every night. In a movie, you're just writing it, writing it, writing it, and then you may never see it. I'm oh. over it. You're over it. I've only That's written guys... one, and I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You'll get fired from an, from more. Oh, I'm sure. I I'm promise. Sure. Oh, geez. Well, let's do this again sometime. Maybe about a show you've actually seen. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I, you guys, want to do I have Anna seen Gables. some of, of, yeah, any other Canadian fiction about a redhead would be great. I'm yes. sorry. It's true. Lennon Parham knows SCTV, but out of deference to Jessica and her, her total lack of knowledge. But, you know, I, I, I had to cross this bridge at some point, folks, is to have a really great guest on who doesn't know doodly squad about the show and see if I can pull it off. And so, you did. I think you we nailed did. it. Well, I lost all the hardcore SCTV people, but at least the playing house group uh, folks will come aboard. The Wonsters and the Jammers, that's what the Playing House fans call themselves, the Jammers, Ooh. since I referred that, to Lennon's boobs as her mammer jams. I'd like to see that battle of the network stars between the, <laughs> the, the SCTV, the Wonsters and the, the, the Melon Bill heads. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. And, um, oh, but you know what? It's, you know, there's an SCTV tradition, and I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys if, if you'd be willing, and this is really for the SCTV fans, if you guys would be willing to blow up um, before you go. Sure. Actually, as you go. Like, yes, please. You'll be gone once you blow up, but would you? Yeah. Sure, be absolutely. So Thank you so much, Jessica, Lennon. It's been a dream. Well, thanks uh, once again for joining me on the SCTV podcast. I'm Michael Delaney. When I'm standing next to you There's a song to sing I know everything's feeling right When I'm standing next to you Steeple bells ring Only good things do I see When you're next to me When I hold your hand in mine Different world wakes, a new morning breaks with the sun. The truth is, can I say this, Lennon, that women do not give a shit about the Three Stooges? 
I don't find, I've never laughed at the Three Stooges and I never will. And they can continue to bring joy to men, but not to me.